Welcome back to a new season of It's Time for a Beer podcast. What a superstar guest we've got on today. Some might know him as a Port Adelaide champion. Some might know him as a Gold Coast Suns coach. But I know him as the guy who dominated a grand final for four minutes. Of course, that's Stewie Jew. What an absolute superstar. Now Jew could kick this, and he has. Before we do get into Stewie Jew, though, of course, I do need to say a massive thank you to Range Ford Maddington. Now, I'm driving around at the moment in a Ford Ranger, and I am getting the eyes on me by the girls. Isn't that right, Tash? Yep. Thanks, mate. <laughs> if you're in for a new car, hit us a message through the socials, and I'll hook you up with Morgs down at uh, Range Ford Maddington. They're the number one Ford dealer throughout Perth, so pop down there. We'll get you in some fresh wheels, of course. As I said, the chicks are looking. Tash? Yep. Thanks, mate. Enjoy. All right, guys, what a special guest we've got today. Again, it's time for a beer. With, I don't know which uh, which chapter to start with. Um, the club you played for the most is the one I probably hear the least about. Coach of the Gold Coast Suns, champion premiership player, Port Adelaide player, and cult figure premiership player at Hawthorne Football Club, Stewie Jew. Welcome, mate. Thanks, X. Uh, very kind intro. Mate, the, uh, it was always good to chat to you. Now, I must say to the people listening that uh, I texted you a little while ago to, to jump on and, uh, and then I let it simmer <laughs> over Christmas. Now, you hit me up. So I didn't. I get a little bit worried and, and sick of pestering people. But uh, it's good of you to give us the, the time of day today. I know you're busy. You're sitting in the, uh, in the team coaching room with a whiteboard behind you. With, uh, we had the discussion about getting me in the guts, but um, unfortunately, you've deconditioned. I'm still in the guts. I'll put you there, but I'm happy to... I don't know about back pocket though, because you might turn it over and be straight back for a goal. So maybe, maybe you could jag one up there. Yeah, maybe forward pocket's probably most suitable for me at the moment. Because we'll, actually, that's that's not a bad little story. Actually, we will get to that about you going forward in the grand final. But uh, let's start from the start, mate. Born in Adelaide, um, and, and and I think I'm right in saying that a lot of people probably associate you with Gold Coast Suns now, uh, and then of course Hawthorne with your your premiership there and your time off, but. It all started in, in Adelaide and played 180 games for Port Adelaide. So clearly the most time spent was, was at the power. Uh, as a kid, mate, what, what, what was your childhood like in Adelaide? Um, oh, it's, I, I loved our childhood. I grew up around footy. My, my dad played locally. So a lot of my memories, you know, he used to go to his training. He rode a motorbike. So he used to sit on the back of the motorbike, go to his night sessions. And they obviously trained under lights. And then there was a spare oval in the dark. So I spent my nights kicking the footy in the dark while they were training and yeah. jump on the bike back home. But that was a highlight for me, you know, probably play two or three games a weekend and then go watch the, the A's and B's of, of my dad's team. Was your old man a, a serious player or just a, you know, mid-level? They took it serious, um, but mid-level um, in the amateurs and he was a ruck, but, it, you yeah. know, these days he's probably the height of a midfielder. So no, he's six foot three. I missed out X. It's, I would have liked a little bit more height. What are you? You'd, you'd six well, foot. I'm about 184, 183 and a half. I'm probably 183 and a half now because once you're over 40, you start shrinking, don't you? How old are you now, 40? 41. 41, gee whiz, mate. You are, I reckon uh, 41 for me, I honestly feel like I'm about 50 at the moment. I've got this heart pain, a chest pain at the moment. <laughs> I went and saw a GP and they said, how old are you? I said, I'm 32. Said, mate, too young to be getting chest pain. I said, yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. I just don't want to drop dead at 32 of chest pain. But, um, mate, schooling, you were an all-rounder. A lot of the, the sort of the general trend of um, the guys on here uh, wasn't bad at school, wasn't naughty, probably could have worked harder, loved my sport too much. How were you as a student? Uh, yeah, probably sums up pretty well. I, I uh, 
one regret. I, I did leave school because I got a, a probably an early heads up that I was going to be picked at 17. Yeah. Um, and I was playing league footy in the SNFL. So, you know, I, I left school and, and started work at um, the police credit union. So I had a, I was going to work when I was sort of 16 and a half, 17 with a, with a tie on. So that was probably the last time I wore a tie, to be honest, regularly. So um, I've worked backwards. I've ended up, I started behind a desk and now I'm, uh, I'm behind a desk. I'm certainly not in a tie, but that was a, a good experience. But um, yeah, I just went to Enfield High, funnily enough, it yeah. uh, got closed down and burnt down now. So oh, um, my photo that was up in the reception is long gone. Jesus, the um, the Central Districts was your footy club, was it? Was Clarko yeah, was yeah, Clarko coach? Central. Was Clarko coach then? He did coach there. Um, I was there a little bit before. We had okay. a guy um, Stevie Wright who played South Melbourne and, and Sydney Swans, and and then Alan Stewart before that, who's had a fair bit to do with Port and then Adelaide Footy Club in the AFL, and then Peter Jonas actually was was uh, one of my first league coaches there, and then then Clarko took over, and I was a bit more of a regular at Ports. So I okay. only really crossed over by going to watch the, the boys play. Yeah, did they win did they win nine premierships or something in a row or what was the what was the run of Central Districts? Oh they they'd um well they'd been known as sort of chokers throughout their period. And they're only young club yeah. started in sixty four. Um but then we won in two thousand. I was lucky enough to play in that. Yeah. And then they went on to win oh one, lost oh two, won in oh three, four, five. Lost those six, then won seven, eight, nine, ten. I reckon four in a row. Jeez, there you go. I might. It's a bit. It's a good problem to have when you're not really sure which year. But they played in ten grand finals in a row. 11, yeah. yeah. Was it? I don't even know why I would know this. But were there two brothers that played and dominated? Yeah, uh, twins actually, James yeah. and Chris Gowan. So, um, yeah, super players are on St Kilda's list early days, but then really good recruiting from Centrals and, and got them over and. They played in nine grand finals, would you believe? Winning grand finals. Yeah, bloody hell. And you think, well, you played in two. How lucky are you? Imagine nine. You, you, you reunions every year in a different team. They've they got a they've got a reunion every week. You can't actually, oh. catch, unless you've played with them, you, you don't get to see them. They're that busy. But they're, <laughs> they're rip, ripping lads um, and they, they deserve it. They, you know, they worked hard on the field and, and, and built a great culture off the field as well. Yeah. You, so you were drafted to Port Adelaide and got the the pre-selection uh, as a foundation to Port Adelaide, I believe. How, how did that all work? Um, well, when they were in the league, coming into the league, they could pick sort of one 17-year-old from Australia and yep. then any 18-plus from South Australia. So uh, from memory, uh, there was probably between 30 and 35 South Australians that were 18-plus. Yeah. But I was the I was lucky enough to be the 17-year-old. So I was the the baby of the team as, as such. So it was a, a pretty quick ramp up, to be honest. I'd, I wouldn't have thought maybe six months before. And I got early heads up from from the recruiting officer that I was going to be it. And I think, again, that was probably more down for my schooling. So um, you could never tell a 17-year-old that that's about to happen in six months because motivation went south pretty quickly. Oh, mate, I was, uh, I was drafted at the end of year 11 then stayed in the boarding house for year 12 whilst being drafted and getting paid. Hardly a hair on it and thinking I was an AFL footballer. My schooling, um, unfortunately to mum and dad, the investment in private education, as much as I think it did me really good, it probably could have been spent on someone else or elsewhere because they didn't get their bang for buck on me, unfortunately. Um, 180 games at Port. 
What was the crop like? I think a lot of people look at Port Adelaide, and we'll get to their successful year in 04, but yeah, Brisbane's probably the team of that era that we speak about, four grand finals, three premierships. But you guys were finishing on top of the ladder a lot there. What, what crop were you drafted with? What are the names of the guys? Because you sort of all came through as one patch and moved through uh, that successful era. Yeah, we did. Um, well, a couple of standouts, like Warren Treadray and Peter Burgoyne, Brendan Laid, um, Michael Wilson. Uh, obviously, Gavin came back. He wasn't yeah. drafted, but he came back. Um, a number of players, but then they, they did do some really swifty drafting, I think, or trading, which I know you know Hawthorne's been known for, but mm. guys like Matthew Bishop, Brett Montgomery, Daryl Wakeland, like those guys were injected into, I guess, a foundation group of players and and really added something. But, yeah, we we just didn't get the job done enough is what we should have, to be fair. Um, yeah. Luckily, we got it done in 04. Otherwise, you know, that whole group would be pretty scarred, was I it, think. Was um, it three years in a row but, you yeah. finished on top? Oh, two years. We lost the home semi-final to Hawthorne, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, one. We were 17 points up at three-quarter time, and, and Hawthorne got over the top of us. Um, and we had a good record against Essendon. Um, yeah. But you know they're all what ifs now. Yeah. But and then yeah, oh two and oh three. You know we one year I think we finished three games clear on top and, yeah. and didn't even get to the grand final. So that was that was quite embarrassing. It's a good way to end up a hermit in your own hometown. You couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And of course you get through. You finally break through the hurdle in 04, You salute and and you did it pretty comfortably in the end with um, you know a barrage late. I don't know what the exact margin was, but. Did you walk into that game a little bit like 08 where Clarko sort of drummed into us that we weren't going to lose that game? How confident were you 04 that eventually you were going to knock the Kings over? I think we were, we were confident uh, physically and, and mentally. I think the biggest hurdle was actually getting there yeah. given on the previous history that we'd fallen over in prelims. So I think um, we just had a healthy confidence. I know they had the experience, but we felt if we could be with them at half time, we were, we were pretty confident that we could you know, overrun and, and get the job done. And in the end, I think Gavin, he kicked four goals sort mm. of two, five minutes before three good time and two after the to get the ball rolling. And again, as you know, we were lucky enough for sort of the last 15 minutes to know you've got it won and, and really enjoy it. Yeah, and I ended up actually getting sent to the bench. So that was uh, that was my reward, sitting there in the fucking woodwork. But um, so what we do, two-team town, oh, I missed the West Coast one in 18, over 18, yeah. What was it like when the flag, you would have been young. How old have you been? And you've just won a flag, first one, Port Adelaide in the AFL. Yeah, I think I was uh, 24. Yeah. I think 24, so and probably still 19 in terms of um, adult development <laughs> and, and maturity. So um, it was it was a big moment. And obviously, we, we stayed in Melbourne that night and all friends and family were there. And then it came back one one thing I probably learned was once you once you back out and then you're out in the public, you, you, you do get split up a fair bit because mm. everyone's trying to get a piece of um, the stories and, and all that sort of thing. So um, I guess lessons learned was to try and keep the team together for as many days as possible yeah. without just heading out and about. So, but having said that, it was, um, it was a good week. And then that, I think at the end of that week, we had about 40 players head up to Cairns for a week together, which was, you know, yeah. a, good, a good time to spend. Choco, uh, obviously coach, and I think he's been wonderful for footy Choco, and, um, you know, everyone remembers the vision of him, you know, yelling out, Alan Scott, you were wrong, and all that sort of stuff, and choking himself with his tie. 
fair to say the emotion got the better of him. He would have the emotion would have got the better of him and directed at you occasionally. Well, can you remember a spray or <laughs> anything that Choco might have had you lined up in the gun for? Oh, uh, yeah, there was. A, I mean, you probably can't. You wouldn't speak to players like they did then, but I was on the, the end of a few. Phil Walsh was there, I was assistant coach as well. And well, he could go I as well. I, yeah, because one time, sometimes, you know, when you start on the bench, um, yeah. when you say 180 games, X, I'll, I'll probably be equivalent of about 80 because I start on the bench a lot. And sometimes you're there till third quarter. Yeah. And um, Walsh, you come on the phone, he goes, right, you're going on, need you to make an impact. So I went out there. I would have been out there for three minutes and the runner came out. And he said, you're off. And I was, and I, you know, I was pretty compliant. And I'm, I reckon I was maybe not so compliant then because I just, I just couldn't believe it. I got off the phone and, and while she got on the phone, he goes, mate, you've, you've done nothing. And I just, I went back, I went back at him. And uh, that was, that was a, oh. um, not a great result because he, he fired back up. But then he came, grabbed me Monday. He said, look, I've got to apologise. He said, I went back on the tape. You're on for about three minutes. Um <laughs> You know, there's a lot going on in the box. I thought you were out there for about 20 minutes. And, yeah. and I checked the stats and you hadn't touched it. So I thought, <laughs> we've got to get him off. So at the, at the time, um, oh, you just take your medicine. But um, no, good on Walsh. He, he was able to put his hand up on the Monday. Yeah. But no, Choco was pretty direct. Um, there was one one year, I think I kept missing. I kept getting the first shot at goal and I kept missing it. Yeah. So um, he always gave me the license to have a shot from anywhere, but then he came up. He said, "No, nah, you, you're just killing us." He goes, "I'd rather you not have it. I'd rather you not have a shot. If you're going to kick a point, it's actually it's depressing. The team, you know, they work hard to get it to him, and you miss. It's deflating." So he goes, "Just put it away for a couple of weeks." <laughs> and sure enough, after you finally put it away, the amount of opportunities that pop up. Uh, and talking about coming off the bench, I, I used to do it as well, uh, and occasionally, or be the sub or whatever. And in your head, you're like, right, to get out of the sub gig for the next week, you have to do something. Like, either you rely on an injury or – and you get on there and you go like you're just the hardest you've ever gone in your life. And then you look up and think, shit, it's only been three minutes. I'm not coming off for the next 15. This, and then, of course, I used to get a flat tyre and I'd have zero disposals 15 minutes in. They're like, uh, hardly the impact we're after, mate. But um, anyway. And so, the calf's showing. Yeah, and again, my calf is pickled. But, um, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're wonderful coaches. And, of course, Phil Walsh, we used to hear great stories about him at West Coast and the way he used to tear tear the ribbons. But um, so you packed up at, at Port Adelaide. Um, you know, it's, it's well documented. You, you went overseas. Um, you had a, a love interest at the time. Were you done with football? Like, why? And I remember Clarko going when you first turned up to, to Hawthorne saying he just retired too young. Like, it, it was just too young, uh, probably a little bit more direct than that from Clarko. But in your mind, what, what were you thinking uh, when you packed up and drifted over to the US? Well, actually, I was done with everything, really. I, yeah. I, I went over there um, for a couple of months on holiday and I, I actually teed up a job because everyone thinks I went there. For, I went there for two months and then my dad came over because his his mum passed away. So yep. we um, we spent a couple of weeks going around together, which was at that time was was really valuable time, I guess, because once you get in your 20s, you're quite busy. But to get that time with my dad at that time was was pretty memorable. And, and I actually came back and worked for Port Adelaide in their sort of marketing department and sponsorship. So I was lucky mm-hmm. enough to, to do a couple, you know, golf trips and – went up to Ningaloo Reef on a fishing trip. So, I mean, that, that year off was, yeah. was good fun. Nice. Um, I wouldn't call it out in the real world, but 
at that time, I thought I'll just have a year off and I'll go play back at Central Districts because I had this, not a fantasy, but I had this thought, I just want to be a one, one club player. I had the chance to go to Collingwood after the 04 win. Yeah. But I felt we could win it again in 05. And I still remember ringing Mick Moldhouse to say, no, nah, I've decided to stay. And nah, he was he was good about it. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I had if I had my time again, maybe I needed to change yeah. earlier and should have gone. And a few things had to line up. I knew Clarko. I knew Jeff Morris at Hawthorne. I barracked for Hawthorne. Um, Andrew Russell was there. I knew you were there. So a few things lined up. And um, Frank Guerra was there and Steve Gillen from Port. So a lot yeah. of familiar faces. And and I thought to get out of my comfort zone and get out of Adelaide would be a, a great, great adventure. Yeah. Um, and loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Right. When you when you originally, initially made contact with Clarko, was it you initiating the Clarko that um, – the, the hunger and the drive was, um, you know, back and you were keen to reinvest into the AFL or was it the nutty Professor Clarko going, fuck, I wonder what Dewey's doing? That was the, it was the nutty Professor rang me because <laughs> I sort of started flagging with centrals that I'll, I'll play again and somewhere he got a sniff of that, Yeah, rang me and um, it's fair to say, yeah, I'd, I'd made the most of my year off. And <laughs> Look at me. What? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't thinking about playing out for footy again, but yeah. then Jeff Morris sort of got in my ear and said, you know, you still got a bit of footy left in you. We've got a young group, we could use experience and and um Clarker was more around we'll, we'll just get you we'll get you up for the right time of year, play fifteen games and, and see see how it lands and it just it really snowballed and my big thing was I didn't wanna I knew as soon as I nominated for the draft it was was going to be a bit uh, a bit weird. So yeah. I, I remember I'd come to Melbourne and I sort of walked into the AFL house and handed it in with like a minute to go because I just wanted the <laughs> least amount of least amount of attention as possible. And Dean Bailey, as soon as I nominated Dean Bailey, who was coaching Melbourne at the time and used to be at the Port, he kept ringing me, and um and I rang Clark. I said, "Mate, Bales is all over me trying to ring me." He goes, yeah. "No, no, don't answer his call." If he if he can't talk to you and they can't get you a medical, they can't pick you. <laughs> so um, I felt bad because I I fresh aired bales for for about a month and then um, I rang him straight after the draft. I said sorry, mate. It's um, I just uh, I wasn't going to come <laughs> to you guys. I need to go to Hawthorne. Because <laughs> you won't remember this, but I certainly do. I was downstairs at the cafe in um, at Waverley, and you were meeting Clarko down in Waverley, wherever the cafe was called, and you went upstairs, and I was with Steve Gillum sitting downstairs having a coffee. Stewie Drew walked in, left footer, loved you at Port Adelaide, um, and I was like, oh, sick, because I was only young. Oh, Stewie Drew's going to be my development coach next year. That's pretty cool. And then, of course, it was like we're drafting Dewey. But um, I need to go to the, a story that Clark has told many a time, and I don't, I don't know whether he gets licensed and just adds whatever he wants to it, but... Is there a story about when you got off the plane uh, from the US, I think, and he had some bikes on the back of the car to drive to the Grampians uh, to take you for a fitness run? What, what happened yeah. that day? Oh, no, just coming, it's coming from Adelaide. And at that point, I was probably just coming over every couple of weeks, yeah. have a bit of a kick, catch up. And then he, yeah, he had his bike, and I reckon it was Ross Smith's bike, strapped yeah. on the back of his car. And we're heading out to... Mount Macedon to ride around and I don't, it was a Melbourne Cup day I reckon because yeah. he thought oh everyone's going to be thinking about Melbourne Cup so we'll be able to just go out there and go for a ride and as we're riding 
I looked in the rearview mirror and I could just see he was doing you know 110 down that freeway and I, I could just see his bike bouncing. In the, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, re- I reckon we've lost the bike, mate. <laughs> so he's pulled over and he's gone back and he goes, "Ah, oh, it's all right. It's not my bike. It's, it's, it's Rossi Smith." So um, I was a bit flat because I thought, "Yeah, bike ride, no worries." And he goes, "Well, we can't ride, so we're going to run." Uh, I was uh, well versed on the track around Mount Macedon, but um, I couldn't have been too bad. Oh, mate, that's uh, that's great. And, and Clarko, obviously, um, in in the end, you scratched his back and and he scratched your back, so it ended well for both of you. But the uh, the initial thoughts when you go to Hawthorne Footy Club, they've obviously they they made the finals that year, and then you were drafted. Young as young, um, a few wild bulls there that would sort of take took a little bit of uh, lassoing to try and to try and remain within within the fences. But uh, what were your initial thoughts of Hawthorne when you first turned up? Oh, the first thing that struck me was some of the the running pair of some of the boys. So obviously, um, I think a few years earlier, Chogo had a a thought that I could maybe play on Shane Crawford when he was absolutely flying with his yeah. theory that. He wouldn't man up on me because why well, would you? And I could, might get a bit of the ball, but I think I was on oxygen by quarter time <laughs> trying to chase him. Um, but to see him in the flesh and obviously Chance Bateman and and even just to see the way Buddy ran, mm. I I remember thinking, geez, it been that long? Was the game changed? And and uh, that was my impression was just how how fit um, the players were. So. And obviously, had watched Hawthorne that year before, and and thought was well, just a young group that won a won a final. I think against Adelaide, Adelaide and yeah. Probably got ahead of them. Got probably got ahead of themselves. I thought it was just going to happen against North. So I thought we're a chance here. And then obviously, Clarko was bringing in a different system, and and I guess that was that was up my alley. You know, I think changing the game plan and and being across that, I found that you know um, you know conducive to my style of the game. And so I thought. So you might have uh, landed in the right spot here. Mm. Mate, one thing too, and you were famous for your, your left foot, your, your kick. It's, uh, would you still be the best kick at the Gold Coast? If you, if you had <laughs> no, to go no. pound for pound, would you still be the best kick? No, I don't think. Oh, we've we got, uh, I think Jack Lukosius would okay. have me well and truly covered now, yeah. All right. Because uh, nah. someone did tell me when they went up to the Gold Coast and you just arrived that you joined in training and it was the slickest football flying around the field. But um, so, you, you, and I, I agree. It's funny how Clark go. I think it was more of a bit of a coincidence that everyone was a left footer essentially, but um, the kicking game style and less running style—you run less when you got the footy, obviously. Uh, how yeah. much did Clarko sort of? Do you feel in 08 when we won it? It was more out like we obviously played really well, but the strategy that was put in place uh, around those that probably weren't the exceptional runners, but if they could hit a target away, you go. Uh, how how good do you? And now you're in the coaching industry. Do you see that the Clarko that year was? Oh, I think it's. Um it's probably understated his impact both on how the game's played now, yeah. but I think the biggest thing with coaching, I guess, is, is understanding your group and what's their strength. So he was able to have a, obviously a philosophy of how he wanted the, the game to be played, but then draft and develop according to their strengths and, mm. and slot them into the, the position. So I think he did want the, the zone to roll the whole way around, but with Hodge, Jew, Guerra, Birchville, <laughs> Ellis, Ladston, he had to change it up where maybe just 12 of them were rolled around <laughs> yeah. and we just shuffled across. The old cyclone theory. So maybe, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, and for those listening, what was meant to happen was it was meant to be an 18-man rolling zone. 
but he worked out pretty quickly that the back six couldn't keep up with the midfield six in the rolling zone. So they just stood there and just blocked space. Um, mate, yeah, uh, what did we call it? The trap, wasn't it? It was the trap. The, the trap. It was the trap. Did you actually? Did 14, you, 14 men zone in the trap. Did you play that game against Port Adelaide where the nutty Professor Clarko oh. down in Tassie oh, was man. like, we're not manning up, we're just going to stand in a bit of space? And I think Port kicked the first yeah. seven goals of the game. Yeah, yeah, and that was my first game against my ex-team. And I remember the night before he said, oh, we're going to try something. And we're all sitting there. And, yeah, the first four goals went in. So I'm trying to get the runner's <laughs> attention. I'm thinking, we've got to sack this. And they're like, no, no, he wants to stick with it. And I'm thinking, this is not going to end well. Oh. And then we spent the next three quarters mowing them down. We ended up winning, winning. but that, yeah. was, that was unbelievable. Mate, they'll just, we're not going to man up defence. I just want you to stand 15 metres apart and see how that goes. And the ball just went over our head all day. Uh, Sam Mitchell got I knocked out that game. Might have been the fault. Not enough pressure on the ball. Yeah, no, it's a good call. Now, uh, I did put out on social media that I had you coming on. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, the, the topic that came through, and I've never been inundated with more messages. There was hundreds of them. They want to talk oh, about, sure about they, no, no, I can fact, man, I don't have followers, but I actually got some messages and I was hoping there was a couple of blondes in there, but anyway. Um, no, no, let's talk about grand final day. Uh, it was hot. It was as hot as buggery. We're against a team that had lost one game for the year. We're massive underdogs. Originally, you were picked in defence. Uh, tell us about this, how you were feeling before the game. Oh, I, felt, I felt pretty confident, I think, um, going to a game where... Um, well, we weren't expected to win, let's be let's be blunt, but yeah. we were confident that we we're going to win given how, I guess, our history against Geelong previous in that year. I didn't play in the game early in the year, but I certainly walked away as a spectator thinking, well, we lost that game, they didn't win it. Um, so it's a lot of lot of pressure on them. Mm. But, yeah, just going in to enjoy it. I guess I felt like I'd won the lottery, to be honest. 12 months earlier, I was sitting watching Port get hammered by 120 points and... Thankful that I'd retired that year. Um, <laughs> so it was, uh, it felt a little bit out of the body experience when you first run out and thought, this is, this is not real, but it, it got real pretty quick. And you spent the first half, I think, in, in defence, um, as you'd done for most of the time with your, with your leg. Half time, my memories of half time was how, like, I was absolutely rooted. Uh, not, I thought we're hanging on by a thread. I think we might have even really been in front, but, um, the third quarter comes around. Uh, the game is well and truly in the balance. We've been going back and forth for the first 20 minutes of it. And I remember the first thing that you did was actually took a contested mark on the wing and then pumped it inside 50 as you went forward. Now, you went forward and everyone remembers you playing forward. Was that a coach's call or had you pulled up a bit lame and, and moved yourself forward just for a bit of a uh, – because we were too short on the bench as well? Yeah, we were a couple down and – I reckon I twisted my knee early in the third and as we were, I think on my first rotation, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've done something to my knee. I'm not sure what it is. And I remember going back out thinking, well, there's Steve Johnson, Gary Ablett, Paul Chapman. <laughs> I thought these are probably the three worst players when you can't turn one way, a bit like Zoolander. If you can't turn one way, I don't really want to be near these. So I'm looking up in the forward line thinking, who's down there that I can go and just swap? Yeah. Because I thought it's... You know, MCG, it's loud. Like, you can't yell out to the bench. So it got to the point where I thought, no, last few minutes, I'm just going to go forward for a bit and then I'll I'll get some assistance at three-quarters time. <laughs> so I was actually just making my way down with the ball to go and get someone. I reckon it might have been Brent Guerra who was playing forward because because we were down. Yeah. So we ended up just swapping. Yeah, and... Uh... 
it, people talk about being in the zone, in the hot spot, whatever it was. Tell us about that five minutes, because it literally was, as the clock of a football game goes, obviously it was probably a little bit longer than five minutes, but at game time, it was probably less than five minutes. The experience you felt and how many times you've watched it, relived it, uh, and talk us through that five-minute patch, because I, I've never seen anything like it in grand final games I've ever seen. Um, oh, it's funny. I, the, the night before and the morning of, I thought, well, I played a fair bit of footy at Port and... You know, honestly, I think I've said on record, like, did not achieve what probably in accordance with the talent that I was given. Yeah. So I felt like I had two hours to make up for 10 years of unfulfilled business. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just thought every every touch on guess, I just want to hurt the opposition as much as possible. And my first touch, I, I dropped the mark on the wing, but the day got better from there. But it was one of those days, like, like in cricket, when you hit them out of the middle, but my first kick, I hit it just nice and sweet and it just sort of gathered momentum from there and yeah um yeah just again i think every time the ball was in my area i thought well i've actually got to got to make it count um clarko literally put his job on the line really to to get me in the club and and overrule the recruiters and that type of thing so it's just this accumulation i thought i've actually got two hours to change a bit of the dialogue around my playing career and yeah and like you've you've reminded me, no one even knows about me playing for Port. So I'm, I'm remembered for about three minutes. <laughs> 180 games at Port, and everyone remembers you for three minutes. Of absolute pleasure, uh, and when, that's okay. When you when you kick that third, the, the snap. Um, I don't know if you would yeah, you would have watched it a thousand times. Um, I was the first one to come to you for a um, a high five, a, a photo moment. I call it. Get in as many of them as you possibly can, because in 50 years you'll tell the story that you kicked the goal. I did feel as though when you snapped on your left, probably a handball back to me, shoulders facing, square up, drill me second goal of the day was probably more suitable, but just saying it. Yeah, well, I do remember I, I didn't hear anything because obviously it's loud. There's 100,000 yeah. people there. Yeah. Um, your eyesight's better I, than that, though. I was though. just that excited. Well, I just think you're asking for the impossible because I got the first impossible was that Lance handled to me yeah, inside 50. Yeah, so that's right. there's the first one. So yeah. I just think you, you're just asking for too much. Yeah, fair call, there's, fair there's call. There's no way it was going to go through the both of us to get to you. But I remember you coming in yeah. and I think you were screaming out, I'm on TV, I'm on TV. <laughs> the, um, yeah, mate, so I won't, I won't hesitate around this long, uh, moment for too much longer. But when you kick that one, do you just go... Do you understand what's happening in that three-minute patch? Like, there's 100,000 there going bonkers, millions watching on TV. Are you like, shit, people love me right now? I would have been like that anyway. <laughs> oh, I, I literally, at that after walking back um, to my position, which is five metres away, but I remember thinking, like, this is, this is too good to be true. Yeah. Um, I, I knew, I'm like, we're not losing this. We're no way that we're losing this. And I just memory just actually went back to childhood when you when you're watching grand finals and you the buzz of the whole day and yeah. you, you're watching these guys do these things on grand final day. And I was to be honest, I was just pinching myself that you know think of your mates and family, friends, strangers having barbecues around the place watching this game. And mm. I remember thinking this is this is just unbelievable what's happening, and, yeah. and it, it did feel like a bit surreal, but. Um, it was. It's good memories. I don't know. I'm a bit of a loser. I don't know if you've ever done this. And uh, if you go watch the goals you've kicked or certain goals in massive moments, I always hit slow mo on the crowd. 
and see the joy that the crowd, that you know, they're all out of their seat, and you're like, I wonder what you do for a job. Like, you're a lawyer, you're a concreter. In that moment, everyone is just having an out of body experience and going so stupid. And I always go, I fucking love that. Anyway, I'll wrap. I'll wrap the grand final up with one last question. Should he won the Norm Smith? Me? Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. No, nah. I think I, I cost myself. Uh, let's see, someone. I think Chance come off with a blood roll at yeah. the start of the last. And I just got this absolute gimme. I'd just come off the bench. I snuck in behind someone and I, I missed. I was half in between passing the roughie and having a shot. And I, 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 missed. I kicked so it I to you. I kicked maybe it to if I'd kicked that. Oh, you did, did you? Yeah, I took on Max Rook, ran Thank carried, you. and then I laced you out, sidestepped Gaz, and then you fucking missed. But anyway, oh, not that I remember oh, that moment. I mean, well, maybe, maybe I, actually, given you got the most touches, if you got that goal assist, maybe you would have got it. No, nah, not the goal assist, the handball back maybe. But anyway, we'll skip that. Hey, uh, <laughs> let's push on. I won't, I've got a uh, quick stop into Sydney. Uh, Sydney, mate, you, you flew there, assistant coach, uh, under horse. How was your experience as an assistant coach? Uh, and... That was where you met your your wife and everything like that through Sydney or prior to moving to Sydney, etc. Uh, did you love your Sydney experience? And is that where you, you love and, and wish and will to become a senior coach grew? Yeah, I mean Sydney Footy Club was fantastic for me and and Sydney the place. I'd met Sarah in Adelaide. She's from from Adelaide as well, and yeah. then it lined up. She had a really good job there, and and also Peter Jonas, who I mentioned earlier, um, knew Paul Ruse, and and Ruse had his last year coming up, and. So I got in contact with him and and that that really aligned for me and such a always respected Sydney um, in my playing career. You, you woke up sore on a Sunday after playing Sydney mm. Footy Club. So mm. it was um, fantastic to actually, again, it's you feel really lucky to be on the inside of these footy clubs and, and find out how they are. But that that whole club and the people in it and um, you know were always fantastic for me and, and got some really good friendships and you learn so much and I guess got to a point where I really wanted to to get out of my comfort zone again because I think at different times in in my career of you know you, you can cruise and I think that you want to keep jumping into the deep end and and uh, and testing yourself and I think on the back of again just the, the not doing that as much as I should have in my playing career I felt like I can actually change you know my professional career and yeah. and have a crack at this and you know. I've, I haven't regretted it one bit. I asked you about Choco giving you a spray. I remember after the 2012 grand final, um, Swanee's beat the Hawks, obviously, and I think you were in charge of the midfield then. Is that right? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think we, I, I might be exaggerating, but I think maybe we won the first 10 centre clearances or something. And you said, I remember speaking to you after the game before you guys walked out on the ground, and I remember you saying uh, after the game that Horse looked you square in the eye and said something like, if we lose this, this is on you, Dewey. Well, not quite. He basically said, I reckon at quarter time we were walking down. He said, this is the worst start from a midfield I've ever seen and we need to fix it fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was incredible, the, the Swannies experience. You win that, so we won't stop there too long. It ruined one of my days and dreams. Uh, appointed coach of, of the Gold Coast Suns, the quick process that you went through to get the Gold Coast Suns job. Uh, was it a desirable job? It was a hard job. Gold Coast is bloody hard to get entrenched in the market in terms of every sporting code. Tell us about the experience because obviously the AFL needed to be successful. They can't cock up the selection. How did you go about nominating your process of getting becoming a senior coach? I guess um, there was a few people that had spoken to me on the outside and obviously Mark Evans was CEO and yeah. I had a couple of conversations with him and, and I guess sounding it out. 
um, did did one one interview that was pretty lengthy, and yeah. then made it through to the second second interview. And around that time, it was obviously off season, so um, you know, I'd, I'd interviewed for a couple of jobs where you know, okay, you're probably not the one, and yeah, okay. you sort of know going in, but you go through experience. I would, you know, I had a chat to Essendon after I knew Neil Danaher was going to be on the panel because I knew Neil through uh, the level four coaching. I knew he was brutal. So I thought if I go do an interview in front of Neil and he said he'd spend, you know, debrief it with me, I thought that's that's priceless. Yeah. So I sort of went to that one knowing Worsfold, Wusher was going to get it, but I wanted to get Neil's feedback and and he didn't let me down. He, was, he gave me some great advice around how to interview and yeah. where I need to concentrate on. So a lot of the stuff I learned in those scenarios helped me with the Gold Coast one, I, I certainly believe. And um, I think they did a lot of referencing. Um, I remember I walked into the, the boardroom with a suit and tie on and Tony Cochran just laughed at me. He said, <laughs> what do you got a tie? What do you got a tie on for? No one wears a tie on the Gold Coast. And I was, I, I didn't know whether it was a test where he thought, yeah. am I going to rip it off? I said, no. Nah. I said, I'll, I'll be right. I'll leave it on for now. Oh, mate. Yeah, and then uh, they don't give you the job and you choco it. You were wrong, Cochrane. Um, the, the, uh, so your head coach, and I, I look at it and go, oh, Christ, there's so many balls in the air. When you sit down, the family moves to the Gold Coast, I'd imagine, and you just go, shit, I'm in charge of not only um, 44 kids or whatever it is, I'm in charge of the success of an entire organisation. How long did it get you to come to terms with, is this the right way? Isn't this the right way to, it's a bit of autopilot, you're in a routine, you're in the swing. Yeah, no, probably um, as a family, we went through all those scenarios in terms of the move and before going for the job, we didn't want to waste anyone's time. And and we were of the belief that, you know, to be a senior coach, you've got to be all in and, and your family are part of it on the journey. So yeah. the beauty of being up here is it's very much a, a sporting club. It's, you know, you're not a big machine of Essendon and Colling where it's a business and mm. this is still a business. Absolutely. But, you know, we certainly have the kids around the footy club. We're accessible to the community. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the thing I really love it about. And, and we got an opportunity to be the first. So some clubs embrace their history and some are weighed down by it. Whereas we mm. actually get a chance to, to write our own history. So, I feel like all the people that have joined in, um, both on and off the field now, actually see the the opportunity that's there, and, yeah. and we can actually change. and And if we're the first group that are able to salute, you know, that'd be something to be really proud of. But I'm really lucky; I've got good people around me, and that was a key part of it. Obviously, knowing Mark Evans, um, John Haynes has come on board, and Craig Cameron; these are guys that have been around footy for a long time. So, yeah. um, in terms of uh, my experience, having not done it before, I feel like I've got a lot of people to lean on as well. What part of the, the Suns did you, you sort of target first? Obviously, you want to have your fingers in almost every pie, but the on-field um, skill, performance, game plan, the leadership, the young kids, what what was your sort of target areas early? Uh, I think that just the competitiveness and, and regardless of score. So, you know, I think the, the no scoreboard attitude where mm-hmm. someone should be able to see your team play and not know whether they're 10 goals up or 10 goals down. And, you know, we've we've gone really hard on that. Um, but the list turnover was going to be big and, and it has been. And we went really aggressive um, probably in our second year. You know, I think we had some decisions to make and some guys were leaving at the right time. And then some guys were obviously able to to move as well and, and play a part in that to, to really reset the footy club. So, this year, 
you know, we felt, um, well, last season we felt that, you know, we felt like a normal footy club and in that we draft a couple of lads, we get some boys in from the academy and some guys might get traded, but it's not a one-way thing anymore and we're, we're making decisions like every other club. Do you, do you look at, um, and I don't want to draw comparisons to the, the Hawthorne young kids and the, um, and the Gold Coast young kids, but it is very similar in terms of, um, you know, Rao King, Anderson, and then Franklin Lewis, Roughhead, that sort of crop. Is there lessons you've taken from Hawthorne and the way that those kids sort of adapted AFL and try to pass it on that way, or is it just completely, you know, that you're just going about it your own way up there? It's all similar in that, you know, you, you can have the – you get the best players in and yeah. they're 18, 19. And, but physically, it's so important that we have good availability because, you know, these guys, to develop and improve, as you know, you know, sitting – playing uh, 10 games a year won't cut it. So, mm. luckily, you know, for us, our young players have actually earned the right to play, whereas I think Hawthorne didn't have that luxury in that, yeah. you know, some of the guys might have been shuffled through but everyone was well aware of where the club was at. So, you know, the bulk of our list is under under the age of 22. and um, But they are, you know, they're, they're the best players for their position at that time. And, you know, guys like, a, you know, Jack Lukosius now, I reckon he would, you know, he would be 40 games, yeah. um, banking, you know, up over 30 games. And, and that's important. And But we did, we've done it at the right time. And we haven't just, you know, flogged them and rolled them out. We've been conscious of, you know, how are they physically in their, their development? So I think that um, we feel like we're, we're on the right track. The uh, One of the main questions, and I won't keep you a hell of a lot longer, mate, Matty Rao, obviously uh, a fan favourite. Um, there's so many memes that are going on around with his notepad and obviously, unfortunately, did his shoulder. Uh, how's he tracking? And what sort of kid he is? Because I think he was taking the piss with the notepad at the time. Everyone thought he was writing down notes and strategy. He was, he was having a little giggle with Noah Anderson, I think. But how's Matt Rowe's shoulder? Yeah. Um, I know that probably people in the super coach world and that think he's going to win the next four Brownlows, but one one year at a time. How's, how's Matt Rowe's yeah. shoulder? No, his shoulder's totally fine. And he, he um, you know, he's off season. And particularly with um, Melbourne being locked down, he stayed up here and he's he's already done his pre-season. So we've just pulled him back a little bit and we'll start to ramp him up towards the end of January in terms of his running because he's, he, I mean, he's fit, no worries. He's getting into his contact work and literally, you know, we know that he's going to be ready to go round one. So we've got the luxury to, to map it out back then and, and make sure that he's right for a long season and, and a long career. I guess that was our decision last year as well yeah. to, to get it operated on because, you know, we could have tried to roll him out again, but, you know, we, we wanted to see him as not just a one-season player. We want him to be here for, you know, 15 years. Yeah, my, and, and um, he's going to be wonderful. But my, I'll die on the Lukosius Hill. He's my number one uh, Gold Coast boy. He gives me a little bit of excitement. Um, mate, is there a player that we can expect a good showing from this year? I know we always mention the the Kings, Anderson, Lukosius, Raul, high-end draft picks. Um, they're always the forefront of everyone's mind. Is there a little, uh, a little nugget that you've really enjoyed, um, come back in great shape? Um, well, they've all they've all come back really well, which I know everyone says. But um, you know, for a young group that's dealt with a couple of shutdown periods, and you know, we were proud of the way they're handling that. Probably a guy that goes under the radar is Connor Butterick. You know, he's from our academy, yeah. um, a local lad, and he played every game that he was available last year and and broke his um, collarbone late. But yeah. you know, you love he's playing on the opposition best small forwards every week, and so you know, he's a natural born midfielder, but you know, we really were keen to get him into the side and, and his competitiveness got him picked in the back pocket. And, 
when you tell him he's he's playing on all those small fours, he doesn't shy away from it. But you yeah. love his love his attitude. Okay, and last one on the Suns. You're rolling into 2021, uh, tracking in the right direction. Uh, I think last year uh, it was a year that everyone was so thrilled to see the kids grab grab it and go. Shit, they're going to be they're going to be a good side. What are the expectations on the Suns? Oh, it's it's interesting. Like with the game changing, it's hard to know what was last year. I guess with the yeah. shortened games and, and how the season went, but but in terms of where we think we're tracking in in our, our both our list build, but also our maturity level and and physicality, we we certainly were able to climb off the bottom and, and finish 14. So we certainly want to be pushing towards the finals, and and it's it's going to be interesting with the minutes going back up it certainly suited us last year with the younger list to have a shortened game but mm. i certainly think now with another year under their belt they're they're ready to play the extended minutes um smaller rotations will suit us because you know we're a running club we we firmly believe that and we, we think we've got a good mix of inside and outside so yeah without putting a ceiling on it we'd love to be you know pushing up towards that that yeah. eight like all teams yeah nice and, and and last one um i've actually got two more for you who's the best player you ever saw played with or against Oh, oh. It's hard to it's hard to go past. Um, I only had you know two years with with Bard, but that 08 season for yeah. his age and physical attributes, and then Gavin Wanganine and Warren Treadrow probably the other two. And mm. I know Gavin gets gets mentioned because you know he won a Brownlow and, and stuff he did no one else could do, but. Warren for for a bit of an undersized centre forward, um, and he had some you know body issues. You know the way he was able to get up and continue to play, he made me look good because he had such good hands and you could kick it anywhere and everyone yeah. thought you were a good kick. So <laughs> um, I'd have to give have to give Big Wazer a mention. Yeah, uh, and last one, mate. You were always a key contributor on footy trips. Uh, you still drinking vodka waters, or are they just a thing that you used to roll out? Um, in LA, vodka you know, soda. Oh, man, I remember these vodka waters used to come. What the f- these things. Um, well, you can you used to be able to hydrate as you went along if you're having soda water with it. So yeah, no, that's an issue for that's an issue for the next I'm day. Definitely, definitely not, mate. I'm just a bit of caffeine now. Yeah. For, at this stage of the time. Uh, and so, right, we're going on a footy trip. Uh, pick Vegas or wherever you want in your time. Uh, there's five of you going. You have one seat at the table. Who are the four other players, past players that you want to go on a footy trip with? You got four seats at the table in Vegas. Oh, players. Uh, I'll bring Ruffy. Yeah. Because um, I like just seeing Ruffy's face when he's travelling. We travelled <laughs> when we, he was 21. It was the first time he'd been overseas. Yeah. So just seeing him see things, you know. Um, he came back like he'd been to war then, too, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, it was good. And then oh, we went with um, Tim Boyle. So yeah. he... He's good because he's easy to wind up, but he's also he sees the world differently. So yeah. there's two. Jeez, um, probably Roger James from from Port Adelaide. Yeah, because if anyone gives us trouble, he's, he's pretty out. strong. He'd be, yeah. able, be able to sort him out. And um, one other. Uh, oh mate, well you you, you like I'm. Um, I don't. I get sick of the sound of my own voice, but you like talking, so I could bring you and you could talk for it. <laughs> well, about that, mate. I started a new job today uh, with Triple M, so if I get the ass this year, I'll come and do um, cleaning or anything at, at the Gold Coast Sun. So uh, let's lock that in. And I will say before you do go, thanks very much, mate. And uh, someone listening, write in, tell me your favourite Stewie Drew moment, and I'm going to buy you a Gold Coast Suns membership for 2021. 
Stewie, you'll give it, you'll sign it, uh, and I'll, you'll organise that. And uh, so, someone write in favourite Stewie Jew moment, and I'll uh, I'll flick you a, a 2021 uh, Gold Coast Suns uh, membership. And I think this year you want to get in early because it's going in the right direction. So, thanks very much, Stewie, mate. Absolutely love playing with you. Uh, love watching what the Suns are doing, and uh, yeah, keep that genitor roll open, mate. I'm not sure how long I'll be floating around on air. They might give me the ass soon, but appreciate your time, You'll mate. Be all right. Thanks, mate. Good to chat. Now, Joe could kick this, and he has. 